You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Jesus sanctified in your hearts. This is the first thing that we need to make sure is in its proper place. We need to spend time with Him. You know, one writer said, and I quote, there are some people who visit Christ, then there are others who abide in Him. Gang, abide in Jesus. So, the third point that's so very, very important is we need to possess a surrendered heart. You ever find yourself wondering why God hasn't blessed your life in greater ways? You may question if He's withholding because of sin in your life. Or maybe you'll go so far as to question whether He really is a good, loving Creator. The questions you should be asking are, what is a true blessing? And am I missing God's blessings in my life? As Pastor Mike will explain today, when you open your heart to Christ, and allow Him to shape your worldview, your idea of what a blessing is will change. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Blessed Life. I remember what you said, you returned that I might live in my there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. So anyway, this ensue or walk in peace is possible only as there is perfect peace in our minds. And this is something that we need to cultivate. This is something that we need to discipline ourselves uh, over. Let me give you a cross-reference. Solomon in the book of Proverbs in chapter 23 In verse 7, there we are told, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So getting back to what we've already read in the book of Philippians, make sure that you train your mind to think on things that are pure and holy and just of a good report, things that are praiseworthy. Think on spiritual things. Think about uh, Jesus, because once again, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, so it is unfortunate that some Christians speak of the peace of God that's being recommended to us here in this uh, text, which passes understanding, as the Bible uh, puts it, yet their minds are in constant turmoil, and they allow themselves to be harassed by fear and worry, and they're devoid of rest in Jesus, who, if you think about it, is the Prince of Peace. So this peace should be very present within a believer's life. You know, they're like mental jaywalkers, if you will. 
they profess to believe, and yet they permit their minds to wander among terrifying imaginations, which God neither intends nor will permit to come to pass in his child's life. Let me give you a cross-reference. In John's Gospel in chapter 14, in verse 27, Jesus himself said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And so, gang, what do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to pray for that peace. We need to trust God for that uh, peace. No matter what's going on in your life, just turn it over. Slip it on over uh, to him. As Peter puts it, cast all of your care and your burden upon him. Why? Because Jesus cares for you. You know, David said, here's another cross-reference from the book of Psalms in chapter 46, in verses 1 and 2. There, David uh, declared, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Now, let's go back to our, uh, our, our text here. Okay, so all of what we've been talking about uh, this evening, yes, it's a very high standard. It's not something that just happens naturally or normally. We have to commit ourselves uh, to it. So these, yes, are pretty high uh, standards. Yes, we need to say the right thing. We need to do the right thing. We need to think the right uh, thing. Well, listen, this is exactly where God's grace comes in. As I mentioned before, God will enable you to be this kind of a, a person. Let's go back to our text. I want you to take special note of this. Verse uh, 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their uh, prayers. So we need to make our appeal unto the Lord, whatever the need. His grace is sufficient. He will enable us to, uh, to see, uh, he, because he sees, he hears, uh, he acts. He'll enable us to do the right uh, thing, to think the right uh, thoughts, to say the right uh, thing. And so, as a mother has her ears attuned to the cry of her child, so the Lord listens for the voice of his own, according to our text. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, and I quote, When I don't know which way to go, I go on my knees. And listen, I would encourage you to do likewise. What a privilege we have to be able to fall upon our knees and make our appeal unto the Lord, whatever our situation may be. But those, on the other hand, notice according to our text, who practice evil, they can't expect a blessing. They're not going to experience any power through uh, prayer. In the book of Proverbs, there's the final cross-reference for you. In chapter 13, verse 15, there we are told, the way of the transgressor is hard. And so anyway, are you interested in truly enjoying life to the fullest? And of course, I know how you're going to answer that question. Absolutely, yes. Well then, this is what you need to do. Be careful what you say what you do, and what you think. Let's close in a word of prayer before our worship leader comes back and closes out our service this evening. Join me together. God, put a guard over our lips. Help us to use our speech to edify. God, help us to build up individuals with our words rather than to tear down. Give us strength to walk in the path of righteousness, to straighten the narrow. 
in the way of Jesus and help our thoughts to be focused on you and the things which are good. God, we thank you for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. See you on Sunday, verse 13. So Peter here exhorts us, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. So Peter is encouraging us to be courageous. But sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear or reverence, having a good conscience or a clear conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I believe that God wants to use you. In fact, in one respect, we were saved for this very reason. God has a plan. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. God wants to do a mighty and great work in and through our lives. And listen, also, I know that you want to be used by Him. Why is that? Simply because you love Him. You want to please Him. And also, that's where the blessings are. As we move into the center of God's will for our lives making ourselves available to God, that's also where we're going to receive the blessings of God. But listen, there are things, if allowed in our lives, that either contribute to our being used of God or being disqualified from this blessed experience. So that's the subject that we're going to be treating this evening, and that's what we want to talk about today. And in these verses here, let's go back to our text, Peter suggests five essentials for the believer's usefulness. So we're going to take them in order. The first of which is, and if you're taking notes, write this down, the first thing that lends itself to our being used of God, and that is our being zealous, being zealous to be used, zealous for God. Notice there in verse 13, let's go back to our text, in the latter part of verse 13, can correctly be translated from the original manuscripts if you show yourself zealous, there's that word, zealous, which is our first point, if you show yourself zealous for that which is good. So, a holy zeal is imperative for usefulness in the Lord's work. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 4, and verse 18, there we read, Be zealously affected always in a good thing. So our hearts burning to do a work for uh, God. You know, an example of this would be Paul the Apostle. Paul was zealously affected uh, for God to be used of God. Let me give you a cross-reference. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, Paul there declares, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life of Christ also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You know, years ago, a tyrannical king commanded a Christian to recant and give up Christ. If you don't, 
He will banish you, he declared. You cannot banish me from Christ, said the Christian, for God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will confiscate your property, the king then angrily threatened. My treasures are laid up in heaven, the Christian replied. You can't touch them. I will kill you, the king shouted with even greater anger. But the Christian quietly answered and said, I have been dead in Christ to this world for the last 40 years. My life is hid with Christ in God, and you cannot touch it. Well, the king turned to his court in disgust, and he said, What can you do with someone who is so fanatical as he is? Gang, the age in which we live demands men and women with a similar fanatical zeal for Christ. God put that zeal within our hearts. If the world is to hear about Jesus, a world that is burning with lust and with sin, we need to be wholly consecrated, set apart for God's purposes. We need to be zealous because he is the only hope for this world. Now, that brings us to our second point here, if we are to be used by God. That is, we need to approach this task fearlessly. Let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be a trouble. In other words, we need to be fearless. We need to be uh, courageous. So listen, persecution, trouble, terror, that's what we might be looking at. That's what we might face if we make ourselves available uh, to God, put ourselves in that uh, position. But Peter tells us here, count it a privilege in spite of the severity of any test that we might have to uh, face. You know, Jesus, on his, in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5, in verses 11 and 12, said this, and I think it's relevant uh, to this point. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So listen, it's an honor. So be bold, be courageous. You know, Paul said in the book of Romans in chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, and neither should we be. We should not be ashamed. So, don't shy away from those opportunities to proclaim Jesus and his word. Don't fear, because what people may say or think, be concerned rather about pleasing the Lord. And that's what this is all about. You know, many years ago in Switzerland, a martyr was standing barefoot on the faggots about to be burned to death. He called to the magistrate, who was officiating his execution, and urged him to come near. And as the burly executioner came close, the Christian said in quiet confidence, I am about to be burned to death for faith in my Lord Jesus. Lay your hand on my heart, and if it beats any faster than it ordinarily beats, don't believe in Christ. What a convincing, bold, fearless testimony. And may God help us to be equally bold. So, the second point, we need to be fearless. The third thing 
that lends itself to being used by God, we must have a surrendered heart. Let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 15, the first part of verse 15. There Peter encourages us, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Now listen, gang, this area is probably the most important, the most significant, because no Christian will be zealous, courageous, or fearless, the first two points that we've already addressed, unless Jesus is the absolute ruler of our heart. So these other areas depend on the depth of our spirituality, our relationship with Christ. And if it is just a surfacey kind of a relationship, a very shallow relationship, it will produce no results. So to accomplish things for Christ, to be used by God, we must be possessed by Him. You know, Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 14. The love of Christ constraineth us. You see, it was that love for Christ that enabled Paul to do the things that he was able to, uh, to do, to endure hardship and persecution. And only as we fully yield to God will we be constrained by his love to serve him. Now, how do we develop this kind of love? Well, simply by spending time with him. Isn't that the very same way that we develop the love that we have for any people that we're fond of? Our spouses, our children, our best friends, simply by spending time with them. And that love develops. And so it is in our relationship and our walk with the Lord. We need to spend time with him. We need to spend time with him in prayer. We need to spend time with him in fellowship. We need to spend time with him in the study of the word. So let me ask you this question. Is Jesus sanctified in your hearts? This is the first thing that we need to make sure is in its proper place. We need to spend time with him. You know, one writer said, and I quote, there are some people who visit Christ, then there are others who abide in him. Gang, abide in Jesus. So the third point that's so very, very important is we need to possess a surrendered heart. But then let's go on. Fourthly, we need to be ready to answer. Notice there in the first part of verse 15. Let's go back to our text. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. So the idea here is to give a clear-cut testimony to the saving power of Jesus. To be able to think through and clarify our own experience and then back it up with Scripture. To be able to explain the things that God has done for us. And this is so very, very important. You know, Paul put it this way. That which I received delivered I unto you. Those are the experiences as we express it and communicate it to other people that are really going to make a difference. It's burning from our hearts to the heart of another person. We're sharing that out of our own personal experience. And, and by the way, this is also where memorizing Scripture becomes very helpful so that we can back up those experiences that we have with the Lord and then relate them to certain texts of Scripture. Now listen, this is every believer's responsibility. You know, I don't know how many times people have come and said, Pastor Mike, you know, I have this burden for so-and-so. Would you please call them on the phone, my sister, my brother, a family member, or a friend? And uh, But listen, 
You need to call them. You need to visit with them. You need to go and share God's word with them. So we need to prepare ourselves to be able to do that, to be able at any moment to be able to share the hope that is, with, that is within us. Share the scriptures, the word of God with other individuals. So if you're a believer, you should be passionate about the lost. Why? Because God puts that desire and passion within us. I mean, it's the result of being in Christ. I mean, think about it. We're becoming more like Jesus. And Jesus is all about being passionate for the lost. In fact, Jesus said that I've come not to save the righteous, but rather the lost, right? And so he has a passion for uh, the lost. So this should just simply be the result of our being in Christ, our relationship uh, with him. It sort of just rubs off on him. We're becoming more like Jesus. I mean, silence may suggest the absence of a true heart experience with the Savior. So something to think about. Uh, you know, gauge where you are and you're walking your relationship with uh, the Lord. Are you passionate about sharing your faith with other uh, people? So God, please give us a ready answer and a testimony that will convince and convert through the work and the operation of the Holy Spirit in and through us. Now, that brings us to the last skill, our last uh, point, and that is we need to demonstrate a convincing life. Let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 16, having a good or clear conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, they're speaking evil of you, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. In other words, we should never give unbelievers grounds for criticism. Gang, as we walk closely with God in righteousness, evildoers will be convicted of their sins and ashamed of their false accusations. Listen, the most effective way to introduce others to Jesus is to allow them to see him in you, in me. In the book of Titus, Paul writing to uh, Titus in chapter 3 and verse 8, there we read, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And so it's all about our lives triggering requests, like for example, what must I do to be saved? So, in closing, let me ask you this question. Is your life what it should be for Christ? Are you impassioned to labor with Him? And if not, just ask God to light a fire underneath you. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 1 Peter. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can also listen online by going to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on one place and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship. 
or Pastor Mike Venizio. You can also watch our fully recorded services on Vimeo. Just follow the link at our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're ever in or near the Midtown Manhattan area and are looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here, and you can reserve your seat at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. You are welcome to join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, please don't hesitate to give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by following the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.